Thank you, Abdul. Let's pray. Loving Lord God, as we come together now to learn more of your word, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we may all learn more of your love and your graciousness for us, that we may learn to better be your disciples in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love going to the theatre. I love it. I love going to see any live performance, in fact. There's just something about being there, isn't there? And having wonderful performers on stage, performing, and being part of the audience. I love it. And it's one of the things that I love about living in London, that we have such wonderful access to live performances. In the three and a half-ish years that I've been here, I've been to the Globe to see some Shakespeare. Uh, I've been to the Barbican to hear the BBC Symphony Orchestra. I went to the Royal Albert Hall to hear Marla. Uh, and all of those were just wonderful performances. I enjoyed them all. But if I'm being really honest, my most favourite thing to go and see is a musical. I just love them. And I've seen quite a few since I've been here. Uh, because A, I'm quite good at finding a deal. And B, I don't mind sitting right up in the gods. You know, I don't need to spend a fortune to go to the theatre. I'm happy uh, to sit a long way away. As long as I can see the stage and hear what's happening, I'm happy. Uh, I've been to see uh, and Juliet come from away more than once. Uh, waitress more than once. Uh, sister, I've seen quite a lot of things on the stage since I've been in London. I mean, I've seen things before, but it's on the doorstep now, isn't it? I love the music, the dancing, the storytelling. I love all of it. I get drawn in. I'm often seen with a tear uh, coming down my face, or more than one, because I just get so involved in the story. A couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough to go and see Hamilton. It was a Christmas present from a friend of mine who obviously knows me well. The choreography in that musical is just astonishing. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it is amazing. Uh, the way that the actors can uh, speak the words of those songs and raps, it's so fast. <laughs> I'm struggling to keep up at times, but it was just incredible. But what I was really struck by when I went to go and see it was the way that the light was used. There could have been the whole cast on the stage, and there was at times, and yet my focus was entirely on one actor or one scene happening because the light was shining on them. And of course, the actor themselves who was in that scene wasn't causing the light to shine on them. They weren't radiating the light themselves. There was a lighting uh, engineer operating the light somewhere uh, far beyond and shining it where the director had chosen that he wanted the audience's attention to be focused. It's incredible. I hope you know where I'm going with this. Uh, I've given my sermon title today, Let Your Light Shine. God calls us to shine in the world, like those lights in the theatre. Not to highlight how good we are, we aren't the actors on the stage. Not to draw attention to all the good things that we're doing and get lots of praise. Our light isn't to illuminate ourselves, but to shine on the activity of God in the world. To help others see the joy and the love and the mercy of God at work like those lighting engineers lighting up the stage in the theatre, we are to light up where God is at work in the world and hopefully to join in.
Well, I could sit down now, really, because that's all I want to say. Uh, but I think I might get in trouble. Uh, so I will say a bit more about the, the readings that we've had. Our gospel reading uh, continuing in Matthew's gospel from where we left off last week. If you weren't here, if you didn't hear Lansford's uh, sermon on the Beatitudes, you can go to mchw.live and hear them all again. If Dan were here, I'd get a bonus point for getting that in. But you'll have to tell him. But we're continuing. Jesus is giving uh, this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. It's a beautiful set of teaching uh, to the disciples and the gathered crowds about what it means to live the life that God wants us to have. Uh, Lansford encouraged us last week to live Christ-centered lives, living as beatitude people, knowing that we're happy and blessed in and through Jesus. And so Jesus has given this teaching about what it means to be happy and blessed, And then he addresses disciples and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. I wonder if you think of yourself as salt or as light. Did you wake up this morning and go, "Hmm, I'm feeling rather shiny today or I'm feeling a bit salty? I suspect you probably didn't and most of us don't, do we? But Jesus is talking to you when he says, you are the salt of the earth. He was speaking to disciples. He wasn't addressing particular individuals. He didn't say, Peter, you are the salt of the earth, or John, you are the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. And as often is the case, the English translation doesn't really uh, do justice to the original Greek here. The you that Jesus uses is second person plural, so I'm told, which isn't something that we actually have in English. Uh, To use an American phrase, it's a bit like saying, y'all are the light of the world. You all are the light of the world. The calling to be salt and light isn't a particular calling for specific individuals. It's a calling for each and every disciple, each and every Christian, We are all to go into the world and to be salt and light. And when you think about it, that makes sense, of course, doesn't it? Because being salt and light in the world means bringing illumination and flavor into the places in which we are living every day, at work, in our communities, with our families. Like yeast that needs to be spread out through the whole of the dough to make the loaf rise, we each need to be working for God in the places that we are. So we all need to respond to Jesus' call to be salt and to be light. But how do we do that? What does it look like? It's all very well me standing here saying, go and be light, go and be salt. But what does that actually mean? Well, our reading from Isaiah, I think, gives us some clues. The people there have returned from exile to Jerusalem with rejoicing. They were happy to be back. But that joy has soon turned to despair as the community faces some major challenges. There's famine and failed crops, drought and internal conflict, and not to mention the lack of justice in society. So the question at the heart of this reading from Isaiah is how is God present in the midst of all that's pain and sorrow? How is God going to lead them out of the trouble that they are in? They thought they were out of the trouble. They'd come home. They'd come back to Jerusalem. And yet there is still trouble there. 
over and over again in Isaiah, we read how God is present in and through God's justice. God hears the cries of the downtrodden and the overlooked in society and breaks the bondage that is in them. In Isaiah 42, God's servant is addressed. We don't really know whether that's talking about an individual or the community as a whole. I like to think it's the community as a whole, as I would. But they are charged, this servant, with the call to bring forth justice. The servant is called the light of the nations and serves as an agent of deliverance and healing. God brings justice through the actions of God's people. We are called to be the agents of justice. And so we arrive here in chapter 58. Their people have been given this message. They've been told, you are to be the light to the nations. You are to bring justice in my name. And the prophet is here, frustrated with the people. They have their priorities all wrong. They appear to be deeply religious. You'd have thought they would have got the message. They pray, they fast, they make their sacrifices. But there's a disconnect between their theology and their ethics between what they say that they believe and the way that they behave. They yearn for God's presence and so engage in religious activities. But they do not live out their religion in their day-to-day lives. And so God calls out their hypocrisy. The reason why God is not pleased with their religious activity isn't because there's anything wrong with that activity. We are called to fast and to pray. Those things are good things. But their fasting and their prayer is entirely self-serving. It's lip service, as it were. They observe fast days, but they're guilty of oppressing their workers. They live in disagreement with their neighbours. Worst of all, they neglect those who have real needs in their community, the hungry, the homeless, those who lack adequate clothing. We heard these words. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. To shine as God's light in the world, to be the salt and light of the earth. We need to work as God calls us to work, to be the people that God calls us to be. Not just to come to church on Sunday, not even just to say our prayers every day, but to be working in the world for peace and for justice. In Isaiah we read, You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls the restorer of streets with dwellings. That is who we're called to be. When we act for God's justice in the world, then we will be restored. Then our lights will shine in the world. So I guess the question for all of us is, how do we spend our time? How do we spend our energy? How do we use our resources? Are we busy gossiping and uh, talking maliciously about others? Are we busy serving our own needs and interests, wanting to get praise for the things that we do? 
Or do we turn and face outwards, looking to the world, seeing where there is needs that we can meet, offering words of encouragement, offering words of truth and light? That is the calling on each of our lives, to brighten the dark places, shining God's word of truth and freedom into the places where lies keep people in bondage. To be salt, bringing flavour and preservation to the places of apathy and decay. How can we shine a light where we live and work? How can we be the salt of the earth in our communities? Where are the places where people need to be set free? I can't answer that question for each and every one of us. Because we live in different places, we have different communities. But the call is to go into those places, to be in relationships that offer freedom and light and joy and peace. So hear God's call today. Hear and respond to God's call on your life to shine. Not because you are the light yourself, not so that everyone can congratulate you on all your good deeds, but shine on the stage that is God's world, lighting up the presence of God so that all can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. And so let's sing together our final.